growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Death, not permanent. And that's really, really good news. Nothing that we have to go through in this world is permanent. Thanks, God, for nothing. Have you ever had someone do something for you that didn't turn out very well? Some of us have probably been in situations where we've said, well, or at least have been tempted to say, thanks for nothing. Of course, none of us would ever say something like that to God, but is it possible that being thankful for nothing is a good thing? Nothing that you have is permanent. If your focus is on the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, this is really, really, really good news. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we come to our final installment in the series entitled Thanksgiving. It's not just for pilgrims. Throughout this series, we've seen how the Bible reminds us of the importance of offering thanksgiving to God for who He is, for what He has done, and for who we are to Him. But as you'll hear in a moment, Pastor Clay is going to show us how being thankful to God for nothing can be a good thing as well. Now, that may sound confusing, but today in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Pastor Clay is going to show us some of the nothings that we can be thankful for. Thanks for joining us today. I'll be back at the end of today's message to wrap things up, but let's get to the message and find out why sometimes it's okay to say, thanks for nothing, God. Thanksgiving, it's not just for pilgrims. We've uh, looked at a couple of the Psalms and we've looked at a couple of New Testament passages. I thought we would investigate one more passage of Scripture and this idea of Thanksgiving. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a good one, particularly where we are, what we're looking at this morning, verses 50 through 58. Thanks for being with us today, this last, as I said a moment ago, this last Sunday before Thanksgiving. Now I say this, brethren, in other words, he's writing to, to believers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. In victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. This morning, I want to share a few nothings with you to be thankful to God for. The first one is this. Nothing we have is permanent. 
Let me read it again in verses 50 through 53. Now I say this, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you, a mystery will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I've I've tried all I've tried hard all week not to say put on immorality. I tried to say that all week. Didn't want to say that. Paul, he's drawing to the close of his first letter to the church in Corinth. And as he's drawing to a close, he brings them to a subject that's very important to Paul, very near and dear to his heart, and should be very near and dear to the hearts of every person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And that is the resurrection from the dead. The promise that, that you and I, as followers of Jesus, will someday rise from the dead. And there's something very mysterious about it. We, we all would admit that's a very mysterious subject matter. Paul even calls it that. He says, behold, I tell you or I show you a mystery, a mysterion in the, in the Greek. It is a thing that, is, that has been hidden, a thing that's not been revealed or uh, in some respects we could say never fully revealed. I mean, will we ever fully comprehend all that is the resurrection from the dead? Paul says, I tell you a mystery. And then he says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Now, when Paul says, uh, we will not all sleep, he's not referring to the, uh, the men's camping retreat earlier this year and Bill Hopkins snoring. That's not, that's not what he was talking about. He, he says, uh, he says <laughs> when he talks about sleep, uh, in the Bible, sleep is sometimes used symbolically to represent death. And so what Paul is saying is, we'll not all die, but we will all be changed. Paul's referring to the part of this mystery. He said part of this mystery is apparently that uh, some of us will be alive when this event that, that we sometimes refer to as the rapture or the snatching out of the church takes place. That some people will still be alive when this event takes place. Now remember, he's wrapping up his letter. He wants to, he wants to leave them something to take courage from. And he says, here's, here's this mystery, and here's part of this mystery. Uh, we, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And then he, he begins to use these phrases. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. What does Paul mean by that? Well, let's just kind of break it down. Um, in a moment, uh, the, the original word was atomos. It, it is that which is indivisible, is what it meant. That which is indivisible or that which can't be cut. It is a, it is a, uh, a part of time that is so short, that is so brief, that is so instantaneous that you really can't even divide it. That's a short amount of time, you know what? A, a day can be divided into 12 hours, can be cut into 12 hours. An hour can be cut into 30 minutes. A, a minute can be cut into 30 seconds. Even a second can be cut into half a second. But this event, Paul said, is, is atomos. It, it, it's so quick that it's just, it's instantaneous. This event where we are, as Paul says in verse 52, changed. I like that word. The older I get, the better I like that word. When you're 21, you don't care about that word. 
And then he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, which is basically just reinforcing that same idea that he just said. In the twinkling of an eye, uh, the idea is that it's to throw or to cast is what the word means. It's to, it's to throw a look, to, to cast a glance. Any of y'all remember, any of you ever had your parents or maybe your spouse give you the look? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you, you didn't even have, they didn't have to say a word. You instantaneously knew the look. It was just like that. You knew what it meant. Paul says, that's how, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trump is kind of wrapping up, it's the finality of the event. It's, it's, it's bringing, the, to, bringing this thing to a close, that this is what you've been waiting for. This is the expectation that we've been holding out our entire lives. God's wrapping this whole thing up in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise. We shall not all sleep but we'll all be changed. When the dead will be raised, and here's his term, he says the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. The reason all of this moment, twinkling of an eye, the reason all of this takes place is because, as he says in verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the imperishable inherit uh, the the in, the perishable inherit the imperishable. Basically, he's saying the same thing. He's just saying it two different ways. Flesh and blood, perishable, imperishable. He uses the same term again in verse 52. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Same term again in verse 53. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Paul says there's a change that has to take place. And the reason this change has to take place is not a little thing, but a big thing, ladies and gentlemen, called the sin curse. The sin curse. It started with Adam and Eve way back in the garden. Do y'all remember that story? Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17, where God told Adam and Eve, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in that day, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. That day, Adam and Eve died, spiritually speaking, because of their rebellion against God. Because God said do one thing, they choose, chose to do another thing. Because of that, spiritually speaking, they died that day. Their relationship with God was severed. It was broken. And that day, Adam and Eve and all of the creation began to die physically. It's the sin curse. Paul writes about it in Romans chapter 8 when he says this, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, to the curse that God said would come upon the earth if, if Adam and Eve rebelled against God, against God's curse. But with eager hope, watch this, but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been, listen to this, this term, groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's the sin curse. Now, lest we be tempted, not that we would, but lest we be tempted to blame all of our troubles on Adam and Eve, you and I would do well to remember, the Bible says, all of us have sinned. This verse in Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, ladies and gentlemen. All of us have sinned. All of us have rebelled. All of us have chosen another way other than God's way. 
And so all of us are to blame for the sin curse, not just Adam and Eve. And all of us are experiencing the consequences of the sin curse as a result of that. Paul goes on with that in Romans chapter, picking it back up in Romans chapter 8 when he says this, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, which, which is a promise for those of us who have trusted Christ. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. I'm going to stop there for just a second. Again, when you're 21, most, the time, most of you, when you're 21, you're like, my body's doing Okay. 27, I've always told you, 27 is the magic number. 27 is when you begin to feel those kind of aches and pain for the very first time. We long for our bodies. So y'all just wait, it's coming. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? Including new bodies. New bodies He has promised us. And we were given this hope when we were saved, when we, when we trusted Christ as our Savior. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently mm. and confidently. It's this promise, this hope. He says, we're just like the creation. Man, we can't wait to the day when this sin curse is abolished, when everything's put down. We get these new bodies. He says, it's a mystery. I don't understand everything about it. And I know you don't understand everything about it. But the dead will be, will be raised and, and, will be ra and will be changed. All of us will be changed. It won't matter in the ground or above the ground. We're all going to be changed. All of us who are in Christ Jesus. You might say, God, God takes us dead or alive. Nothing we have. Is permanent because of the sin curse, all of this stuff is perishing. I refer to it, the Bible refers to it as this, this curse of God, we refer to it as the sin curse. Science has a name for it as well. It's called the second law of thermodynamics, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's really it's, this, it, 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 it's the same thing. It, it really is. It's also referred to as the law of increased entropy or the law of entropy. I'm, I'm cutting to the chase. I'm giving you kind of the layman's terminology, but it's called a law because it can be observed 100% of the time, active in our universe. And the law is basically this. Everything is in a constant state of breakdown. That the universe and the, and the, and the elements that make up the universe are moving from, from more complex to less complex, from more organized to less organized, from order to chaos. It's just the way things operate in the universe. And you see it around you every day, all of the time. Cars rust. Engines break down. Tires go flat. Muscles get sore. And our bodies grow old and die. Nothing that you have in this world is permanent. Now, let me say this before I move on to the next nothing. Before I have nothing else to say. If, if your focus, if your priority is the world, ladies and gentlemen, the things of the world, you understand what I mean by that when I say that? Then this is really, really bad news. Because it means that, that nothing you'll ever have, no matter how hard you work or how much you make or how much you accumulate or how much you store up, you, you can't take any of it with you. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. We can store our data on the cloud nowadays. I don't even know where that cloud is, but we can store our data on the cloud. But we can't store our stuff in the cloud someday, ladies and gentlemen. We can't take it with us. 
And, and so it's not permanent. And so if that's your focus, if this is your world, if this is what it's all about, everything, you accumulate everything, listen, you, you just, your kids are just going to fight over it and it's going to end up in a yard sale someday. Nothing we have is permanent. I, I was reading the other day, Bill Gates' home, you ready for this? Bill Gates' home is 77,000 square feet. That's larger than a football field, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I'll just be honest with you, I don't know what you do with 77,000 square feet on a daily basis, but this I do know. The average size of a casket is 84 inches in length, 28 inches wide, and 23 inches high. And you and me and Bill Gates will spend a lot more time in there than in our houses. Now, are you saying we can have a big house? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's going away. It's perishable. And Paul says we got to put on, we got to put on imperishable. We got to put on incorruptible because all this is going to be gone and we're going to be changed. Listen, we live in a culture that is obsessed with physical appearance. Would you say that's an accurate assessment, an accurate statement? Obsessed with it. We spend billions with a B. Billions of dollars in the cosmetic surgery in industry to prop up what is falling down or build up what is breaking down. We spend billions in the, in the physical health uh, and exercise industry to try and pump up what is going down. And we spend billions in the uh, cosmetic makeup industry to cover up the rest. Point is, none of it does any good. Now listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work out. I'm not saying we shouldn't stay in shape. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, try and eat as good as we possibly can and, and all that stuff. And, and I'll have some reason for that in just a moment of why we, we ought to do that. But, but in the end, folks, it's, it's all just going away. And as far as the, uh, the cosmetic surgery and makeup is concerned... Forget about it. I'm not even going there. Each person has to decide their priorities and, and, and where they are and, and all that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying to you is this. Nothing that you have is permanent. If, that's, if, this, if this is what it is, that's awfully bad news for you. But if your focus is on the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, this is really, really, really good news. Nothing we have is permanent. Now, y'all can help me with this. When I give you an example... I want you to shout out, not permanent. Can y'all do that? Let's try it. All right, this side's pretty good. Y'all a little weak over here. Let's try it again. Not permanent. Right, okay. Sin curse. Oh, that's so weak. Arthritis. Better. What's another one? <laughs> Gray hair. <laughs> God or your hairdresser can take care of that, either, either one. Listen, aches, pains, suffering, hurt. Not permanent. Let's see, there's another one in there. Oh, yeah, death, not, not permanent. permanent. Not permanent. And that's really, really good news. Nothing that we have to go through in this world is permanent. Thanks, God, for nothing. Let me give you another one real quick. Nothing we face can hurt us. 
But when this perishable, and listen what he said, he's going on now, he's talking to me, he's wrapping this thing up. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Will y'all say that with me with a little bit of bravado? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Really, when you think about it, for the life of a believer in Jesus Christ, who is death to us? What is death to us? Not, that's not permanent. That's right, that's right. It's not. Listen, I know, I know how it is, and I know how the, the world, you know, death is, is the grim reaper, you know, that's out there and, and that, that, that to be scared of and stuff. Listen, that, that's not the case for a follower of Jesus. It, it's really not. And Paul basically is taunting death here. I happened to mention this uh, last week, I think, when we were in, uh, when we happened to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Paul is taunting death. Paul's like a, a poker player uh, that, that's, that's calling death's bluff. That's what he's doing. He's calling death's bluff because Paul knows death can't win. And the reason Paul knows death can't win is Paul is holding the spiritual equivalent of a royal flush. Paul's holding a royal trust. Y'all like, I just came up with that. I thought it was good. A while, a while ago, a royal trust. He's trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. He's trusted the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's calling death's bluff. He's basically, and y'all know I've said this before. I think Paul likes to do this a lot. I know he didn't actually do it this way, but the same thing. He's doing Paul is singing the Nana song to death. Nana song? Got it? Come on. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. I, I, I did that a couple months ago when we were in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 2, and we read this about where Paul basically did the same thing again. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, if you will, please, sir. Well, when you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed, here it is, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross. Paul, Paul was talking about Jesus basically sang the Nana song to those that would come against him and would come against us. And here Paul, I think, in essence, is doing the same thing. He's singing the Nana song, death. You can't do a thing, death. You got no power, death. Na 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. What, what is death to the follower of Jesus? Because of the power of the resurrection, you and I don't need to fear death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? So nothing that is in front of us, we don't have to fear, we don't have to worry, nothing that is in front of us. Thank God for nothing. And one more real quickly this morning. Nothing we do is wasted. Verse 58, as Paul wraps up this part of his, his encouragement, he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, I, I, I'm not afraid of death. I, I'm, I'm really not. But I'm, I'm not looking to get on the next bus out of here. Do y'all know what I mean? Y'all understand what I'm saying? 
And it's not because I'm afraid of death. And it's not because I don't know that, that eternity and heaven will be a quadrillion times better than anything in this life. But the reason I'm not in any hurry to get out of here, and the reason you, none of us should be in any hurry to get out of here, is because you and I have a job to do. We have a task. That's what Paul encouraged. That's what all that's about. He says, you're going to be changed. You're going to get a new body. It's going to be good. Don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Now. Look what he uses. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always, always staying at the work that God has called us to. Paul understands this. Hey, and this is coming from a guy who knew something about what it was to suffer in this world. And yet he gladly did it. Look, look at this passage. Some of you have seen this before in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul, in describing his own life, he says, In far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I've received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I've been beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have spent in the deep, I've been in frequent journeys, in dangers from river, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren, I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure of me of concern for all the churches. Paul knew what it was to have a hard life. He knew what it was to struggle and suffer for his faith in Jesus Christ. And yet he also knew that we were to be steadfast, immovable, faithful to the end. Because nothing that we do for the kingdom of God, listen, nothing we do for the kingdom of God is wasted. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, well, I, I, that's fine for you. you. Okay, you stand up there and preach. All right, I, that's not wasted. But what about me? I, 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 I work at Walmart or I'm a public school teacher or I work in a grocery store or I, you know, how is that? Nothing we do, nothing we do is wasted. When we do it for the glory of God, when we do it to, to honor Him with our lives, when we do it in a way that promotes God, uh, exposes God to those people around us, whether it's our actions or I'm not talking about you got to break out a town Bible on people and whip it over their head. I'm saying you live out Christ among the people around you. And it doesn't take long for people to notice that when you begin to do it. It doesn't take long for them to begin to see something is different about her and I want to know what it is. Or maybe they won't want to know, but they will notice. And so it's not wasted, ladies and gentlemen. Don't think that anything you do, anything you do for this world, yep, it's perishable. It's going away. It won't last. But anything that we do for the kingdom of God has eternal return, eternal reward. It is, gives purpose and meaning to our lives. So whatever you do vocationally, do what you do for the glory of God. Look for ways to be used by God to build the kingdom of God. And nothing you endure and nothing you go through will be wasted. Thank God for nothing. I had three nothings to talk about. But really, there is a fourth nothing. Isn't it interesting that in verse 50, Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So what does God do? God lays down His flesh. He sheds His blood so that you and I could have the promise that Paul talks about here. So there really is one more nothing. 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's just one of those sections of the Bible that makes your heart beat a little faster. The promise of the resurrection is certainly something to get excited about, as we heard Pastor Clay say today. Because of the resurrection, which is made possible because of Jesus Christ's victory, nothing in this world is permanent. We also heard Pastor say that because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, nothing in front of us, including death, can hurt us, and nothing that we can do for Him is wasted. We can join God in His kingdom work. Because of the cross and Christ's victory over the grave, we don't have to spend our days living just for today. God has something waiting for us that nothing in this world can compare to. So thanks for nothing, God. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And join us next time as Pastor Clay begins a new series on Christmas. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.